Hello, hello. Are you still out there? Hello. Chirp, chirp. Mm. Any fans left? <laughs> Anybody give any fucks? Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of THC True Hollywood Crime. I'm your host, Mariah. This is your host, Bailey. Beep, 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 beep. We are back, baby. With bells on. <laughs> so many weeks away. What has it been? 17 weeks? <laughs> 10,000 years. Every time we take a break, it it's feels weird to do this again. Mm-hmm. It's a doozy. <laughs> it always feels like, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. Rinse, wash, repeat. I know. I'm so happy to be back, though. We didn't mean to take a break. And we did not. Life just happened. Always. Two full-time working moms, holiday season. It's a shit show. Shit happens, man. Yeah. Thank God, as you reminded me, this is a hobby. Right. Nobody's getting paid for this. <laughs> this is literally to give us an excuse to drink wine on a Saturday. And so. if you guys want to get mad, get mad. We're oh. still coming back. We're still here. Snap. We're still doing it. We'll do this just for ourselves. Right. Anyways, hope everybody had a great gobble, thanks gobble, for gobble. giving. How uh, was your thanks for giving, I was going to say I was thankful that you got me my new Thanksgiving tradition. Blood rage. Blood rage. And that I had forgotten how amazing the soundtrack was. That was the one thing. Go back a year ago from now to our last Thanksgiving Day episode. Mm -hmm. Who knows the name of it? (laughs) I don't know. But we got B, the movie Blood Rage. And we review it. And it's phenomenal. It's fantastic. I haven't watched it, but I've heard great things. And I told you I had seen someone else bring it up on TikTok. Incredible. It's it's got its own little thing going on. I mean, there's only so many Thanksgiving Day horror movies out there. So you really only have so many choices. I tried to watch the turkey one that I told you about, the killer turkey. Killer turkey. But I didn't have whatever app on my TV and I didn't want to watch it on my phone. So I ended up watching Hulu's The Pilgrim instead. I've watched part of that before. It's fucking bizarre. Yeah, I stopped because it, I wasn't, it wasn't catching my attention. Bizarro. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that I would recommend it. It's just fucking weird. Hey, have you seen the house in our town that has the 12 foot skeleton? Mm-mm. It's like you're, I, I'm going to try to say this as vaguely as possible without giving away our location, but like you're coming down the freeway from like the shopping side of town, yeah. the Target, the yeah, Walmart, yeah, yeah. Or whatever. And you get off like you're going to go to downtown. Okay. When you're going down that highway, mm-hmm, that highway mm-hmm, meow meow. Yep. Somebody has your 12 foot, or is it a nine foot, 12 foot? I think it was a 12 foot. 12 foot skeleton in their front yard. They had it all decorated with also smaller skeletons for Halloween. And now. For Christmas. No, for Thanksgiving, it has the giant skeleton and then the other smaller skeletons surrounding like an inflatable turkey with like bibs and stuff. I need to find this. Yeah, I need to. It's pretty easy to spot. They might have put it down by now, but hopefully they keep it up. for. I feel like I've driven by, but I guess I'm going in the opposite direction. Right, You're coming back from the shopping area and I'm typically driving too because my office is past that. Right. So I'm never driving home that way. And if you were leaving from that direction, you would be turning right versus Mm -hmm, left. mm -hmm. So you'd turn left towards downtown. Okay. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Something to look forward to. Somebody in our town's got that bad boy. And they decorated him for Thanksgiving. Imagine me drunk trying to steal it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> fucking hanging off oh of my lord i got an arm i'm coming back we for the calf tomorrow barely walk 
and we're gonna try to steal a gigantic skeleton oh man cool anything else anything you want to talk about that you did during break not really perfect (laughs) not me either i've been reading a lot all crappy smutty terrible books good i've been watching great british bake-off the finale was just on fantastic Mm -hmm. literally all i've been doing yeah and working yeah you liked your pumpkin pie Better than past years. I made the best pumpkin pie I've ever made. So I will give a shout out to your pumpkin pie. Thank you. Yeah. I The big difference I feel this year, I always follow the Libby's can recipe because mm-hmm. I do use a can of Libby's pumpkin. Mm-hmm. But this year, instead of doing the breakdown of seasonings like they do, the oh quarter teaspoon of this and the half a Fuck teaspoon that. of that, I just did two full heaping teaspoons of pumpkin pie spice yep. from McCormick. And I think it made a big difference. I also added a splash of vanilla. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking next year adding a splash of bourbon. Mm -hmm. Just feels like it goes well. I want to start making my own vanilla after I saw that TikTok craze going around. I've seen um, Ina Gardner. Nick's mom does it. It's very expensive. It's just the beans are expensive, right? Yeah. but And then at least Ina Gardner's recipe, she's making a lot. So it's a lot of beans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I do. I think the beans are expensive. I think hers ends up being with the beans and vodka like $100 or more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But how much vanilla do you get out of it? Right. Because it, for like pure vanilla right now, I'm paying almost $10, like $10 easy. a bottle. That's just it. Mm-hmm. No. And this is the purest. Yeah. So I do. I like that tiktok trend going around well i can't wait for you to make some and give Mm -hmm. it to me to bake with yeah i know i'm just gonna find the beans yeah i don't know maybe you can amazon them i don't even know where you find them whole foods uh, there's gotta be a bougie do we have a whole Foods? we've got like a a produce place that's got all that overpriced yeah yeah whole foodsy type thing yeah cool well tell us about your thanksgiving guys any family drama anything crazy happening i'm Spill living the tea. for the family drama tiktoks it's the best oh my god i don't remember we that don't from last any. year uh-uh <laughs> we literally had no family either one of us no. we are each other's family yeah it's so funny no drama for your mama over here no. all right well Speaking of drama. Speaking of drama, <laughs> this week we are doing a heavy hitter. But before we get into it, let's do our patented THC drinking <laughs> yes, trademark <game>. pending. <laughs> trademark pending. Uh, our THC podcast drinking game. Take a drink of whatever you're drinking whenever we mention a past episode. Mention a badass big sister. Um, cheers. If we're not in the pod shed, if we spill something, or if we mention monk. Bam! Ooh, we got it, baby. One little pause. Never lost it. So, on that note, let's cheers. Here's to being back, baby. In the pod shed. Thank you very much. We promised to try to get at least a couple episodes done at some point back to back, but we can't make any promises because holidays are coming up. Not only that, bummer news, guys. We have an official open date at work of January 10th. What does that mean? Well, I'm back open to the public. Like everyone's going to be back in the oh. office. I'll actually have people coming in and out the doors. <laughs> so it's like trying to figure out where I'm going to fit in movie times. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Well, B, you might have to sacrifice a little extra time here and there. I know. Don't you take lunch breaks? No. Force them to make... You have to be able to take a lunch break. Right. No, I have to put it on my time card that I'm taking a lunch break. I know. Yeah. I'm sure you can do it. Yeah. We're going to find out. I guarantee you can do it. I promise. We'll find out. 
Maybe we become an every other week podcast. That, that's mainly what I was getting at. It's like with all the realities of everything coming in, it's just squeezing things into a one week time slot. That's where the the challenge really is. We'll figure it out. No worries. Just keep drinking. It'll be fine. Mm-hmm. So this week we are doing Richard Ramirez, a.k.a. The Night Stalker. And what movie did you? I don't even know what movie you watched. I said just find a movie. Fucking Lifetime, baby. Oh, God damn it. So good. Fucking Lifetime coming through with 2016, The Night Stalker. Now, is that the one with the really good lookalike? I saw like a really good lookalike online somewhere. I think so. It's Lou Diamond Phillips. No, that's not who I'm thinking of. La Bamba. (laughs) I know who that is. I'm just saying. I I think I'm thinking of a different movie. Oh, okay. And then they also have, from what I've heard, a great docu-series on Netflix, which I had started watching way before we did this. Yeah. And I never finished it. But I've heard it's really good. And then you reminded me that there is the season of American Horror Story, you and Nick. Yeah, which I never even... I don't watch American Horror Story. And it's the only one that... You liked. Yes, and that's what Nick reminded me of. He's like, it's the only one we've ever watched all the way through, and you don't remember that he was like a huge part of it. And I'm like, no, I just remember all the campy killing. Do you, so now do you remember him yes, being in it? Yes, absolutely. Did he have the teeth? No, I don't think so. Mm. Yeah. It's really a signature, the teeth it and is. the cheekbones. Yeah, it and is. Hair. Mm-hmm. All right, so for this episode, I got everything, of course, from Wikipedia, of course, from All Things Interesting, an episode of a show called Real Crime that I watched on YouTube, an episode of our favorite podcast, Serial Killers, an article in the El Paso Times, and an episode of the classic show, Inside Edition. And that was an episode from way back in the 90s. It was like Inside Edition flashback episode on YouTube. Yep. So fantastic. Let's drink. So it was I think we talked about this. Was your mom old enough to remember this? Oh yeah, for sure. Will my would my mom remember it? Probably not. Right, like my mom. My mom doesn't no. actually remember much mm-hmm. of anything. But yeah, of course, this yeah. all happened in the eighties. My mom was born in sixty five. Yeah, it's just well, when I think we were talking about the zodiac. It's like my parents could have known, but they were too follow la 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 to even have an, like my dad kind of remembered. My mom would have yeah. been old enough for that too. She just yeah. How much does she remember from yeah. that stuff? <laughs> you know. Yeah. Everything is a daze for our parents. I know. My dad probably remembers all this stuff. Yeah. He's, he would be the one to remember. Gotcha. Such things. Okay. <clears throat> Richard Ramirez was born in February 29th, 1960 in El Paso, Texas. He is the youngest of five children. He has a pretty regular normal childhood, um, especially for a child of, you know, First generation immigrants. He's a pretty normal kid. His dad, however, is kind of your typical blue collar working dad of the 60s, meaning he's an alcoholic and he's abusive, which sucks. And I'm so sorry that Richard and his siblings had to go through that. Although sometimes I do wonder about like, I guess just all dads were like that back then. It really does feel like it. A good majority were. Like that was just how you parented. That's just how you did Mm -hmm. your shit. Leading up to his childhood, he does experience a couple of head traumas. When he's two years old, a dresser falls on his head requiring stitches. When he's six years old, he gets knocked out by a swing. Like I guess like a super aggressive metal 1960s swing dude those knocked them out those old swing sets just mm-hmm. scream tetanus and like 
Yeah. This one knocked him clean the fuck out. For sure. When he's around 10 years old, he, he start- starts having seizures and he's <sighs> diagnosed with epilepsy. This takes him from being a pretty normal kid to starting to feel different from his peers. He starts to feel a bit like an outcast. And that leads him to bond with his cousin, his older cousin, Miguel, <coughs> who just got back from serving in Vietnam. Miguel is a Breen, a, a Breen Beret. <laughs> a Green Beret. I'm and listen, was Richard Ramirez fucked up? Yes, but so is fucking Miguel. For sure. And not enough people talk about it. No, for sure. Miguel's a serial killer. Legit. Yeah. So Miguel reveled in his time in Vietnam. He loved the rape and torture and killing of innocent people in Vietnam that he did. And he goes into like explicit detail with Richard about this, even showing him pictures of his victims in Vietnam being mutilated, being raped, being tied up and tortured and even beheaded. He shows Richard pictures of him with these people's heads. And what's the age difference here? Horrific. I don't know. I think it's like. It's at least like 10 years. Probably. I mean, yeah. if he already served a couple times exactly. in Vietnam. Exactly, yeah. Uh-huh. He's definitely older. And he's also drinking and smoking weed with Richard, who at this point starts doing that, starts drinking, starts smoking. And it becomes pretty apparent that Richard definitely has like an addictive personality. He gets addicted to things fairly easily. So all of this is happening. The seizure start. The self-medication starts the fucking influence the horrific influence of miguel and his war (coughs) crime stories start all when puberty hits yeah all when his fucking uh, hormones sexuality starts forming and it's sort of just uh brew for yeah something awful these huge fundamental building blocks of life. Miguel also teaches Richard some of his military training, some knife skills, mm-hmm. some like basically how to be sneaky, like how mm-hmm. to be covert. Mm-hmm. And also I believe like how to get the job done the quickest. Probably. Right. Because like you're saying to be covert, like get in and out. It's like you just you need to get in there and know that you fucking and got how, the job like, done. And not to be seen. Yep. Mm-hmm. May 1973, Richard witnesses right in front of him miguel shoot and kill his wife during an argument right in front of richard yep very casually (coughs) richard's never the same after this miguel goes to prison and he's even more sullen and removed from his family more than ever he starts self-medicating more and more he's getting harder and harder to control he starts being just kind of creepy and weird. So his parents send him off to live with his big sister and her husband. Um, where guess what? Her husband is a peeping Tom. Woo! Quite the peeping Tom habit. Okay. And he brings his little nephew, Richard, right along with them where they sneak around the neighborhood at night and spy on women through their windows. Wow. This I didn't know. In 1974, Richard is 14 and he starts getting into taking LSD and he starts getting into Satanism Mm -hmm. and the occult. In 1977, after a whopping four years in prison, Miguel is out. He is found eventually not guilty due to insanity. And they just let him out. So that's fantastic. He starts hanging out with his 
BFF Richard and Richard's fucked up uncle and they all are just boozing it up, drugging it up and spying on women. I can't. I can't. Richard eventually drops out of the ninth grade. He kind of bounces around here and there. Most notably, he gets a hotel job where he is fired after trying to sexually assault quite a few guests, but he's caught trying to sexually assault um, a couple of little boys and their dad beats the fucking brakes off Richard yeah. and Richard basically runs away to California. Okay. 22 years old, 1982. He's living in or around L.A. I'm not going to get into the geography of L.A. Yeah. Nobody cares. Right. No. But this almost all of this takes place in just the greater L.A. area. Mm-hmm. Not all of it, but most of it. And that's where he is now. Where Richard discovers cocaine. Do we know what the draw was that brought him out to California? Not that I saw. Okay. Somebody could have mentioned it and I didn't. I haven't seen it mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. you know, he's coming from Texas. There is a large Hispanic population where he moves to in L.A. So maybe there's like a cousin or something out there. Who knows? But he discovers cocaine. And as we have mentioned, be in episode 54, hey. Make It Snow Americano, there's great fucking cocaine in L.A. in the early 80s. We got it all, babe. We got it. <laughs> he was probably doing Boston Georgia's coke. You know it. They probably hung out. <laughs> I don't know if I'm Richard just, Ramirez just, was running in the same circles as Boston Georgia. Put let some me res- dream. Put some respect on George's name. I didn't say that George had to like him. <laughs> I just said that they might be in the same circles. Obviously, Richard gets addicted pretty instantly and pretty hard to this cocaine. He starts robbing people to pay his bills and to pay for his coke habit. Uh, he kind of just starts moving all over California, mainly bouncing from like L.A. to San Francisco. He'll move back and forth. Now. Trigger warnings for the rest of the episode, but especially for what is about to come next. His first murder isn't the first official Night Stalker murder. Okay. His first murder, they didn't find out, was his first murder until years later. Okay. But we'll start here just to give you a taste of what we're dealing with with Richard. His first murder technically is April 1984. It is a nine-year-old girl named Mott. Either May or Mai. M-E-I. Yeah. She lives in the same apartment building as Richard in the Tenderloin of San Francisco. She's looking for a dollar bill that she had lost. And Richard finds her and is like, oh, I know where that dollar bill is. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lures poor sweet Mai down into the basement where he beats and strangles and rapes her before stabbing her to death. And then he hangs her nude body from a pipe and hangs her with her own shirt. So it takes the police a long time to tie this to Richard Ramirez, but that is technically his first murder, but it also stands out because it is so different from his other murders, Mm -hmm. which start in June 28th, 1984, one year and one day before my birthday. Look at that. It starts as a burglary, which he has done a string of at this point. He has broken into many a home to Mm -hmm. fuel his coke habit. Um, This is back in L.A., like I said, the L.A. greater area. It is 77-year-old Gene. He breaks in and stabs Gene in the head, neck, chin, chest while she's sleeping. He then slashes her throat so deep that he almost decapitates her. But he does leave a finger 
on her window screen, mm-hmm. a fingerprint mm-hmm. on her window screen. Around this time, somewhere in all of this, he quits cocaine. Cocaine. Okay. Cocaine is getting in the way. I don't know if it's exactly right now, but somewhere towards the beginning, he quits cocaine. Wow. Because it's getting in the way of his burglary and eventually his murders. It's like fucking with his mind. It's making his hand shake. He can't. So he chooses murder over cocaine. Well, so here's the thing. He quits coke and then he can't find a new fix. He's so used to his dopamine coming from drugs that when he gets sober, he has no more dopamine fixes. Gotcha. So he takes a small break from all of this bullshit. And then he realizes that he's never had a high before. Like when he's murdered someone. Until. Mm-hmm. March 1985. He tries to kill two roommates. 22 year old Maria and 34 year old Dale. He shoots both of them with a 22 caliber gun. But while she passes away, Maria survives because the bullet ricochets off of a set of keys she's holding in her hand. Fuck. Mm-hmm. Keys. One hour later, he shoots 30-year-old Veronica, who is sitting in her car, uses the same gun. Now the media and cops at least know that they have a problem on their yeah, hands. Yeah, yeah, so that's yeah. a lot of action in a pretty short window of time. We got a situation. A description goes out, I'm assuming given by Maria, who is the one survivor. Yeah. Curly hair, bulging eyes, rotting teeth. That's what they have to go off of Mm -hmm. for Richard Ramirez. One week later, he breaks into the home of a married couple, Vincent and Maxine. He shoots Vincent, who is sleeping on the couch, ties up Maxine, and starts to ransack the house to rob it. Maxine, badass bitch that she is, gets free. Gets the shotgun out from underneath the bed, goes, aims it at Richard, <coughs> pulls the trigger. It is empty. Oh, Vincent fuck. unloaded it the week before. Disarmed. Disarmed it. Richard is pissed. He shoots Maxine six times and then stabs and mutilates her with a kitchen knife before gouging out her eyes where he keeps them as a souvenir in a jewelry box. Ooh, okay. He, however, leaves a footprint in the flower box outside of their window. Also, he leaves behind the same twenty-two caliber bullets. Okay. Now the police are worried because it's very apparent that this guy has no type. He's going after all ages, all genders, all races. There's no real pattern to find in his victims. This happens. He has a few more. I'm not going to go into every single one because we'll be here all night. Right. He has a few more attacks and murders. He's now re-added raping to his repertoire. So he's raping a lot of people as well as killing and beating and all the other stuff. Well, like you said, he's got an addictive personality. He's going to have to keep upping himself. Eventually. May 1985, he breaks into the home of two sisters, 81-year-old Florence, who is disabled, 83-year-old Mabel, who takes care of her disabled little sister, making her a... Badass big sister. Badass big sister Mabel, taking care of Florence. I can't right now. Because her name's Mabel and Florence. No, Florence and Mabel. I know. Stop. I know. Stop. What dreams are made of. Right. Well, brace yourself. He ties the women up. He beats them with a hammer before he rapes them both. And then he electrocutes the women with a power cord. Oh, the reason I'm bringing up their case is because this is the first time that he leaves behind marks of 
the occult. He takes a lipstick. He draws a pentagram on one of the women's thighs and draws pentagrams on the walls. He does leave both women alive, but they're both comatose from the extent of their injuries. Oh, my gosh. Badass big sister Mabel later dies at the hospital to her injuries, leaving poor Florence alone. The next day... He breaks into the home of 42-year-old Carol, and the only person home is her and her 11-year-old son. He ties them both up and sticks her son in a closet, where he then rapes Carol repeatedly in front of said closet door. Mm. When he's done, he ties them up together and leaves them both alive. Wow. So basically, March 1985 through August 1985, we're on a rampage. We're just fucking with people. He performs 14 more assaults or murders besides the people we've already talked about. So he's putting up big numbers here. Yeah. All within a year for the most part. That's busy. Yeah. I mean, as long as he has a job. All right. And they're all pretty much the same MO. He's breaking in at night. He's tying people up. He's robbing people. He's raping people. He's beating people and mutilating them, torturing, stabbing, shooting them. Some are left alive. Some are murdered. It's all very sadistic and violent, all with a huge range of weapons from guns to electric cords to tire irons to hammers to knives, kind of just whatever he finds laying around. Many people are forced to swear their allegiance to Satan. He leaves behind signs of the occult many times, and he is convinced that he doesn't have to worry about being caught because Satan's he, got his back. He's Satan's on his side, dude. Satan's my boy. He's Satan, my homeboy. Satan's work. Yeah, I got this. Now, as you can imagine, LA is in a panic. A bit. It is a very hot summer. Why is it always a hot summer? God damn it. The fucking heat, man. It just adds a vibe. It does. Because picture. Those people are fucking crazy. You're mad. You're raging. Just fucking sweating, killing people. And like, I mean, how good was the AC even on back then? No. If you could have it. Right. And Mm -hmm. we've both been in LA in the summertime. I'd fucking kill people too. (laughs) These people aren't opening their windows. I think a lot of this is happening like probably in the valley where it's. Very hot. It's not like coast LA LA is not too bad. The valley is a death trap. Just stale, smoky death air. People are not opening their windows. People are locking their doors for the first time ever. Yeah. Again, if you learn nothing from our podcast, please lock your fucking windows and doors. Please. This is what I'm telling you guys. I lock my shit up like Fort Knox because... And Richard even talked about this later on. He took advantage of the fact that he could just open a window. Or if he saw a window open, he just had to get through it. If he, all he had to do was open a front door and walk in. I can't remember if we mentioned this on the last podcast or not, how you finally locked yourself out of the house. (laughs) Because you had asked Wyatt to lock the door, but you didn't realize he was going to lock the one door you used. The one door that I use, which is behind, like, I, I lock my garage. Right. And then I open my garage and then there's like a door from mm-hmm, the garage to the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have my house key on me. So I was like, okay, I'll just leave the kitchen door unlocked. And then I just opened the garage door. But no. Lock in. But my son. You trained him so well. He locked all the doors. Everything. And then I had to go Everything. hang out. Thank God you were home from Thank work. Thank God. Mm-hmm. You took like a day off. 
Uh-huh. And I went and hung out with you until my husband came in, drilled open a door. Amazing. So funny. I love it. Yep. Well, hey, listen. You came prepared. And you, well, we have also said on the past podcast where I've obviously gotten much better because you tried to break in the one of the last times yeah. we were gone and you couldn't. That's right. Mm-hmm. So I've learned. Love it. That's <laughs> better right. person because of this podcast. <laughs> yes. Uh, people are locking their doors. People are locking their windows in the middle of summer. Gun sales go way up. Yeah. Very reminiscent of the Gainesville Ripper. Episode Mm -hmm. one. Same old song and dance. Yes. I know. And also what? Summer of Sam. Yep. Or Son of Sam. And Lover's Lane. Yeah. All of it. Mm -hmm. This is also at the height of satanic panic. You got to remember the Manson family murders are still pretty fresh in L.A.'s memory mm-hmm. and now they have this guy or what they think of at the time they're throwing around the possibility of it being multiple killers of working course. together yes because this is insane the this amount of numbers so, he's putting up and just the variability of everything right and the signs the satanic signs being left behind That's or culty. the signs of the occult it's bringing back manson family vibes yeah they move in numbers mm-hmm. everybody is fucking terrified yeah August 1985, he goes back to San Francisco. He goes and kills a couple in their 60s, leaving behind a footprint on the wife's face after he stomped her to death. I can't. He stomped her to death and left a footprint on the side of her face. Nope. Which is horrific, but it does lead to a lead. Mm -hmm. Leads to a lead. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Police find that this footprint matches the original footprint left in the flower bed. Mm-hmm. What feels like a million years ago, just a few months ago. Can I stop to help you? Like, let's visualize this for a second. So do you think it was one just crazy hard impact or that he just very. I I like, think it's going to have to be a hard impact because it's a sneaker, I believe. Yeah. Uh-huh. And that feel like I can understand if it was a work boot. Right. Or a Doc Martin. Yeah. But like it like you wouldn't have to put so much behind yeah. it. Yeah. But for a sneaker, uh-huh. I feel like you have to really it's fucking crazy. go for it. Yeah. They find that these shoes are a size eleven and a half from shoemaker Aviva. They also, so they go to Aviva do their research, find out that only six pairs of this style of shoe has been sold in the U.S. at a size 11 and a half. Because it is very specific size. Yeah, you add the half especially. Yeah. Five of those pairs were sold in Arizona and one pair was sold in L.A. So we are... What are the chances? Tightening our our trap here. We're tightening our use. After the police... And investigators tie all this together and tie together because this is what ties together the San Francisco attack to the the string of L.A. attacks because there's footprints in different places now. Yeah. After they tie all this together, San Francisco mayor at the time, I did not know she was ever mayor of San Francisco. Diane Feinstein. Oh. Feinstein. Releases the info to the public. Investigators are fucking pissed. Yeah. Why the fuck would you let our person know that we're on to him and that we have fucking footprints and shit. And they are right to be mad because Richard is watching the news. He sees this. He takes that pair of 11 and a half and Avivas and he throws them off the side of the Golden Gate Bridge. Bye, babe. He then flees 
back to LA. Litter. He steals a car and <laughs> makes a run for it. First night back in town, he breaks into the Romero family home. He gets caught in the act by James Romero Jr., who's the father of the of the family. He chases Richard out of the home and sees Richard get into his car and drive away. And he notes the make, model, color of the car and a few of the license plate numbers. Richard also leaves behind a fingerprint somewhere in the house. I can't. Okay. Next attack. Both people are left alive. And this is the first time he tells the woman after he beats and rapes her, of course, that he is the Night Stalker. Right. Do you know I am? And this couple gives the police a detailed description you've of been, said Night Stalker. You've been touched by the Night Stalker. You've been Night Stalker. Like, right? Like, how do you fucking announce that after what you've just done? Like, I hope you realize the privilege you've had to be in my presence. His car is found abandoned with more fingerprints inside. They finally put all this shit together and they can finally use the fingerprints to ID a positive identification of Richard Ramirez from previous arrests back mm-hmm. in his just good old fashioned stealing drug use right. days. Basic bitch days. Yep. They have enough evidence to tie all the scenes together and they release a mug shot, a mug shot of Richard and the police hold a press conference where somebody, should we say it's the chief of police? Sure. Where he says, we know who you are now and soon everyone else will. There will be no place you can hide. End of August, August 30th, 1985. Richard hears a group of elderly Hispanic women recognize him as El Matador, which means the killer in Spanish. He runs to a newsstand and he sees his face on the cover of magazines with headlines about being the Night Stalker. Instantly panics, which is so funny. I thought Satan had your back. Whatevs. Instantly panics. Now he knows his photo can be right that he's like vampire status he didn't think his photo could be done <laughs> that he never get caught right, but he panics he runs across a busy freeway he tries to steal two different cars the second one he is stopped by a man named manuel della torre by manuel hitting him on the side of the head with the fence post Then a group of about 10 civilians form a vigilante group recognizing him as Richard Ramirez and chase Richard down the street. I love this so fucking much. It's the best. So they eventually tackle him and capture him and beat the fucking brakes off of him. Police show up to find Richard unarmed, beaten up and almost begging for the cops to take him. All I have in my head right now is that Daniel Tiger like be my neighbor song because this is the type of people I want fucking in my neighborhood. That's right, baby. Fucking come along with me and be my neighbors and fucking beat the shit out of this guy. Yeah, they are not having it. By the time police get there to arrest him, by the time I guess backup gets there, a crowd (laughs) of several hundred unruly people have gathered. Could you imagine rolling (laughs) up to this shit? Not only are you responsible for collecting this murderous motherfucker, but you got to hold back a horde of angry L.A. rioters. It's the best. After a couple hiccups in the trial, including Richard's outlandish behavior, 
including drawing pentagrams on his hands and just saying kind of wacky stuff to the media and to the jury and just kind of being being a dick, being kind of outspoken, outlandish. He is finally convicted on September 20th, 1989, convicted of all charges, which are 13 counts of murder, five counts of attempted murder, 11 counts of sexual assault. 14 counts of burglary. He is sentenced to death, which he tells the media, quote, big deal. Death always went with the territory. See you in Disneyland. Hey. Now, B, you will be shocked, I know, to find out that lots of women fall in love with him. He eventually marries a woman named Doreen. I don't know. Leoy. Does it matter? Mm. <laughs> in 1996 at San Quentin State Prison. Doreen eventually leaves him uh, after finding out this is so they get married in 96 and then all that shit about his very first victim. The yeah. sweet Nine year old girl comes out uh-huh. and Doreen has the smallest shred of humanity left. and shame left was like, mm, that's too far and divorces him. Okay. He ends up engaged again to a woman named Christine Lee psychiatrists claim that he was not born a psychopath he was a quote made psychopath due to like we said the wonderful little concoction we have of it's head a injuries, very common stew mm-hmm. abuse cousin miguel and it's, his bullshit it's and literally epilepsy. the fucking rue of serial killers is the abuse, head trauma head the trauma ab- the abuse all of it yeah mm-hmm. the fucked up families and then you have Cousin Miguel just adding a little extra spice on top. Exactly. A little extra flavor. Uh-huh. Make it spicy. June 7th, 2013, this piece of shit dies of cancer before he could ever be executed. And that is the fucked up horrific tale of Richard Ramirez. Love it. Love it. You gave me stuff that I knew based on the little bits that I had watched from the Netflix and then what I got from the movie. And then you also gave me little tidbits I did not know. And I did watch a short interview with him and I was blown away by how normal he seems. Really? Very normal. Okay. Very. I mean, you can tell English is probably his second language. Yeah. But he's still, he's very well-spoken. Okay. He's very insightful. He won't speak about himself exactly. Like, he yeah. won't say, I did this because this and this. But he frames it as, like, a person mm-hmm. would feel this way because this, this, and this He's happened. very well-spoken in my movie. Yes, he, he seems is. Like- and he's not, like, charming and outlandish no. and whatever. But he <clears throat> is very, like, if you met him, you would not think. You wouldn't take a second look at him. You would easily drink with him at a bar and not think twice about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's very interesting. Before I get into my movie, just because we're talking about people seeming relatable, I saw another TikTok trend, how relatable Keanu Reeves is. The most. How he skyrocketed to fame once he hit like matrix level mm-hmm. right basically like puts you up there with the tom cruises and this and that the motherfucker will just sit on the subway yeah <laughs> like, you didn't know that about him but just how i appreciate it i don't know it's like it's so weird to me just how it does make them a different breed yeah 
right? Yeah, like he's just a normal dude. Yeah. But at the same time, we have the serial killer who isn't obviously normal, but can seem to be that way. It just, it blows my mind. Yeah. It blows my mind. Just people in general and like the human psyche and the way people can almost like train themselves. Right. Because I don't think that is natural Keanu. I think that is like almost a reaction to the fame. It's like he's trying so hard to be the opposite. Yes. Right. It's like it's almost like a protection. Yeah. And I would say as far as like a veil, as far as Richard goes, I would say it's almost the opposite, which makes him almost scarier. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Scarier. Most serial killers. Because he definitely gives off a vibe like this is completely normal. He's he, not attention seeking. And he's not overcompensating. No. He's not John Wayne Gacying you where he's mm. over the top trying to charm you and like disarm you. It's and, a pure kind of evil. Yeah, because he's so normal about it. Yeah, for sure. And it, it's, it, it he's adds so its- matter of fact about it. Yeah. He's not creepy about it. Mm-hmm. He's just like. Yeah, if somebody is dealing with this, this, and this, it might make them angry and they might not be able to take it anymore. So his type of normal, I guess what I'm getting at is pure evil and Keanu's is like pure, pure good. Yeah, yes, exactly. It's he's, her too. He's the anti <coughs> Richard Ramirez. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Well, how was your Lifetime movie? Did Lifetime do it again? It's not my favorite. I won't lie. Oh, it's not my favorite Lifetime. Okay. It's a good movie. I mean, for what it is, but... Um, I do appreciate. So when you presented the idea to me months ago, right? <laughs> Dec- years ago. Decades ago. You were, you were like, there's so much, like there's multiple things you can choose from. Yeah. And when I picked this, I picked it because it was easy. It was available. Uh-huh. I did not realize going into it that it was a lifetime. Yeah. So that was just the icing on top. How exciting. It's so exciting. Should that be our seventh uh, but yes, anytime a lifetime. Anytime it's a lifetime movie. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, my coworker was. I guess there's a really good like 2020 or CNN episode of the whole Gabby Petito whole thing. Uh huh. And that's how he heard about it. And I'm all like, for sure, Lifetime is gonna put out. You're some, just waiting. An epic, Because you just want to be. Do- That'll be when we end the podcast. Right. When Lifetime finally makes a Gabby the Petito. Full, the full circle moment. When Lifetime finally makes a Gabby Petito yeah, movie. That'll be and our you final. Finally, get to be Dog the Bounty Hunter. I for sure. Well, no, never mind. <laughs> you finally get to be Dog. And that'll be the end. What if it happens on our 100th episode? It'll be perfect. Oh, my gosh. But still. Ooh. So. <clears throat> we open within the halls of a prison. We are slowly zooming in on the face of the killer, Richard Ramirez. He's behind a locked door and he's being played by La Bamba. <laughs> La Bamba. I fucking lovely time of film. I know. He's the best. <laughs> so lifetime Lou come on man as we get closer we begin to see like flash Im- images almost like pictures being taken memories whatever it's of past victims before he begins to violently smash his head into like the little cutout window Richard does yeah whoa yeah 
So it's like where the guard would like look into his eyes yeah. and smashing his fucking face against it. Like See, violently. And that might have happened in real life, but the very small snippet I saw of him, I would never guess he would do that. We're taken three days earlier. One check or one knife off the list or whatever. We're going back and forth in time like crazy. It's There's a rough like one for you. Three different stories in this movie. Oh my god. <laughs> How'd you ever keep it together? Right. So we're three days earlier and we see a woman working out. She's boxing. Working on her boxing skills. As we hear a call in the background, obviously a call to her informing her that she got the okay to go to San Quentin. Oh. We see when she enters a room that Ramirez is waiting on the other side of the glass partition. And I immediately think Zach Efron, Ted Bundy, him and Lily Collins. Yep. The immediate, like the first scene, them, all of it. Episode 46. <clears throat> she introduces herself as Kit. Ramirez will only refer to her by her full name, immediately calls her out on it like Kit. That's short for something. You look like a Catherine. Oh, is she a Catherine? She is. Mm-hmm. Very observant. She's an attorney and asks if he would mind record if she records their conversations. And as they begin to talk, it seems as if Ramirez, like he's coughing and spitting a lot. So what am I doing? <laughs> trying right. not to watch uh, having the best fucking time yeah. right does that take off a whole nother night <laughs> <laughs> uh, she does ask him about it he immediately brushes it off like i'm always sick it's no big deal get to the point what he's more interested in is her her body asking her to hike up her skirt so that he can get a better look at her legs He flatters himself by saying that he has a line of women coming in and out to see him every day, thinking that they can all understand him. But the difference is that at least they're bringing something to the table, kind of like challenging her. Mm -hmm. Like, what are you bringing to me? And then he becomes almost like offended when she doesn't seem to believe him. Like... Are you trying to tell me that all these women are just here to like offer their bodies to you? Like, really, you think you're that hot shit? And he's like, yeah, motherfucker, I do. (laughs) So they're not off to a good start. Kit asked Ramirez, what's it going to take? And he is like, I will only talk to you without the partitions. He wants to be in a room. Uh, No, thanks. Right. So creepy. He's been locked up for 23 years at this point of those in solitary for 10. And he says he wants to smell someone other than the guards. Fantastic. So this is at the last year of his life. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Way to go. He was on death row for 23 years before he died. She's like, you'll never touch me. And he says with confidence, we'll see about that. When time's up. She begins to leave and Ramirez tells her she's not allowed to wear gold the next time she comes to see him because it's the medal of Christianity and it won't be tolerated. Oh, it is? Fuck if I know. Okay. I wonder what the medal of Satanism is. 
It's got to be silver, that trash, tarnishing. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe copper. That Maybe. More Ooh, fun. We learn outside on a phone call that Kit has four days to get a confession out of Ramirez in hopes that they will get a stay of execution for an, a man that they believe innocent who's about to die in Texas. She is not confident that that's going to be enough time. Because she knows she has to build trust. So what they're saying is somebody's about to go down for a crime that they that people think he's innocent because they think Richard Ramirez is the one who actually did it. Exactly. Got it. Thank okay. you. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I don't know it, about any of this. Uh huh. Yeah. Is this all true? Fuck if I know. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> It's lifetime. It must be. That's right. What more credible source do you need? It's Lou Diamond Phillips. I mean, if you can't trust Lou. If you can't trust Lou. (laughs) That night, we see her in a sleazy roach motel eating Chinese takeout in bed while researching Ramirez. As she gets a call from her mom, who appears to be suffering some kind of mental disillness. Disillness. (laughs) I was just going to let it go. Jesus. I was just going to let it ride. Some kind of mental illness. Because <clears throat> Kit does ask, like, have you been taking your meds? And then she promptly gets hung up on. Listen, I've been there. From here, we go back and forth quite a bit <clears throat> as we begin to follow Kit from an early age. Oh, great. Because we all <laughs> care about Kit. <laughs> <laughs> And Ramirez as at an early age. So you really were just going to have, like I said, a good, good old time. So it's a household. We see a girl, maybe 16, watching the news about the Night Stalker, also known as the Valley Intruder. Yeah. I didn't put it in my notes. Yeah. But yes. Mm-hmm. The Valley Intruder. And I think also the walk-in yeah, intruder. Yeah, sure. Maybe. But yes, but definitely the Valley Intruder. We see her locking her windows, and she even clips her curtains closed with like a hair clip. Um, so obviously we we're back in time. Ramirez is on the loose, and this must be our kit, right? But that at least that's what I'm assuming at this point in the movie. I was just thinking about how fucking scared I would be if you were 16. Or just in general, just at thirty six. We've talked again past episodes that you asked me. You're like, how many days of this kind of bullshit before you tap out? I'm like, what two? It also depends on where you live. Like L A, you have such a smaller chance Mm -hmm. of being broken into than where we live right now. But if it's like on my street or like someone in my neighborhood, even in this town, we don't live in the biggest town, right? I would be. I mean, I guess locking your windows helps, but I would be so scared at all times. It gets even better because, like I said, this girl's acting real scared, but she gets a little looser later. Oh, dear. Now it's back to 2013 in San Quentin. We have a current kit arriving for her next interview. And as requested, we are now in a room that is open, no partition, where Ramirez will be shackled to the floor as he sits across a table from her. When he arrives, he pauses to take in a long pause, like of her scent, right? Like, yeah. And comments that she smells like motel soap. 
Mm-hmm. I was just thinking about how I'd have eaten a raw onion right before I walked in there. Ooh. You know what I mean? Just rubbed it all over my body. <clears throat> they start their conversation about his ex-wife, Doreen. Because Kit noticed that um, she's one of the groupies in the lobby. But I guess at this point, they had to have still been married. Like, why would she be there? I don't know. They divorced in like 2009. Okay. Well, yeah. So she she used the name Doreen. She did. Yeah. No, Doreen divorced him in 2009. But then he had another fiance, Christine, Mm -mm. when he died. No, it says ex-wife Doreen because she noticed like she was hanging out in the lobby. Um, He speaks fondly of her, says that she always maintained his innocence, which he really appreciated. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) When Kit asks Ramirez if he thinks he's innocent, he says he always had Satan in him and then goes on and on about Satanism. She brings up um, a concussion that he suffered at the age of five. And we see in a glimpse of a flashback that he climbed a bookshelf that fell on him. Mm -hmm. Ramirez is like, yeah, lady, I get it. I know about my fucked up frontal lobe and how (laughs) you people want to believe that this made me fucking crazy. (laughs) She then asks him about cousin Mike, who taught him about hunting. And Ramirez says um, because of that, he knows the quickest way to kill. It's either by gun to the head or knife to the neck. You got to go directly to the main arteries. Okay. He needed special hunting training to, to figure find out that out. That right? a gunshot to the head is the quickest way to kill someone. Mm-hmm. I've had zero hunting training, and I think I could have put that one together. Right. I think we all know by now a gun to the head's probably going to do the job. Let me hand you a salt, sir. Although, that being said, I will say this motherfucker shot a lot of people at point blank range and did not kill them. Right. Very a la Summer of Satan. I was just going to say We're that. We're guns right? weaker get a back then. Get a, get a life. Get a life. Get a life and get a stronger gun. I feel but like your guns are doing thankfully, thankfully, their stupidity saved lives. All right. Cousins giving me some fucking Dahmer vibes, right? Ooh. Because right, we're looking at the graphic Polaroids mm-hmm. and all that shit. So episode 36. Also, you had said it was somebody else who taught him like the peeping Tom shit. Yeah. And we don't Sister's get... Sister's husband. We don't get any peeping Tom shit, but we do see Cousin Mike like teaching him to like harass women and like oh. cat call and like they are like following like stalking girls in the car and like fun. watching them go into their houses and shit. Super so fun. we'll just we'll combine those two pieces of shit in this lovely person. In response, Kit is saying like Jesus under her breath to him talking about all these horrific things. And Ramirez is quickly scolding her like, you'll never say that name in front of me. All right, asshole. He instead changes the conversation to sex, how he imagines that Kit Kit must like it rough, saying you're so controlled out here in the world. You must love to be controlled in the bedroom tells her that she reminds him of his first victim carol and we get a flashback to a rape and a robbery 
As the conversation gets creepier and creepier, he's making more lewd comments like, you smell clean on the outside, but I bet you taste dirty on the inside. Kit is deciding at this point she's going to wrap things up for the day because she's not getting fucking anything besides grossed out. Yeah. So then it's back to our teenage Kit having lunch with friends, them telling her that they're sick of her talking all about death and murder and rape and how scared she is and obsessed she is with the Night Stalker. So they ditch her, fucking leave her at some like burger joint. Perfect. Right. While all this shit's still going down in present day where they are. And then some random guy starts hitting on her. And she's like, sure, I'll talk to you. And I'm like, you were just locking your windows. Yeah, freaking out. Yeah, using your hair clip for your curtains. But sure. Invites homie back to her place where they go through a scrapbook full of newspaper clippings about the Night Stalker before they have an intimate, like, makeout moment. Because, you know... What else do you do after you talk about the Night Stalker? That's right. Fucking make out. Nothing puts me in the mood more. Now, back in current time. Oh, no. Now, back in Ramirez's younger time, we see him smoking pot with Cousin Mike watching cartoons. Mm -hmm. A moment I'm there for. (laughs) Right. Right. But come on. It has to be ruined. Mike's... I don't know that they're married, so I say baby mama because we can hear a baby crying. Right. Comes out telling him to get a fucking job. Mm -hmm. Start supporting your fucking family. Yeah, that's what they were arguing about in real life. Mike does not appreciate her tone. Well, she should stop nagging so much. And shoots her on the spot in the living room in front of whom he calls Richie as we hear... Like I said, the baby's screaming, crying in the background, and he just goes back to smoking his pot and enjoying his cartoons and just living his best life. Yeah, that's how it was in real life. They got into a fight over him getting a job, and he pulls a gun, and she's like, what are you going to do, shoot me? Yep. And then he just shoots her? uh, No, for sure. Yeah. No, that's how it went down in the movie. Kit, as a kid, it's like late. She's hanging out with this new boyfriend. And how old is he? Like in his twenties, and she's is she sixteen. She's sixteen. <sighs> I know, right? It's a little rough. They're at a, they're at a park, and he's. I mean, where else is he gonna take her? She's sixteen. All right, and he's like, "Well, are you ready to go home?" And she's like, "I never want to go home." Oh, so what's to, at home? So to be fair, he's not the one we should be afraid of. I just think it's interesting with how scared she is of everything going on that she she's would so quickly latches onto a strange man she's got other shit going on he tries to ask what's going on she's not ready to talk about it so they stay in the park what seems like all night we conveniently cut from this to a sweet scene as her as an adult now it's been a shitty day she stopped at a bar she had a stiff drink gonna have some kinky sex with who a stranger. <laughs> okay. We don't really know. We don't really get to see a whole lot. We just see her the next morning having to remove the restraints from her wrist. 
So Richard called it. Yep. Nailed it. Yep. No As pun she's intended. looking a little rough around the edges, right? Been <laughs> there, girlfriend. Uh-huh. I mean, zero judgment, but yes, <laughs> just right on the head. A new day of interviews, and Ramirez is applauding Kit's efforts to break through him, saying he didn't think she'd last this long. She starts the conversation asking what led Ramirez to hate women so much. He says it's not that he hates women. He just doesn't believe in the conventional idea of love. And so she asks why. And so we go back to the young teen Richard getting a call from a girl named Mary. And the two sneak away and they meet up at a cemetery. Before heading out, he looks through Cousin Mike's old Polaroids. I don't know, to like build confidence. Okay. Get a chubby. I don't fucking know. Like why he decides to do that before his cemetery date with good old Mary. But surprisingly, the whole night is completely innocent. They cuddle against a tree, they hold hands, they walk the street. Mary's the one that goes in for the kiss. And Ramirez said, from the get-go, it never felt right. He was so uncomfortable to be around someone whom he felt had such innocence. Okay. Bizarre. And he knew that he would never be able to experience love like other people. So at that point, he just kind of writ off, like wrote off the opportunity. Like, I'm never going to have traditional love. Okay. So I'll just rape and murder people instead. Okay. Now that he's given us a glimpse at his past, he wants something in return. Who does that remind you of? Uh, Hannibal Lecter. Thank you very much. The, Actually, this whole thing's been reminding me of Silence of the Lambs. The very quid pro quo episode 33. Absolutely. Begins to question Kit about her past. She tries to play it off like she had this picture perfect upbringing. He calls bullshit. He's like, you can relate to me for some reason. You're fucked up too. And I want to know why. He gets mad thinking that she's trying to save him like he should repent. And he's like, I did what I did to earn my place in Satan's kingdom. I have no regrets for anything except not getting between your legs while I had the chance. In a way, she tries to find some kind of sympathy for him. She's like, look, I've done my homework. I know how horrible things were for you, what happened to you. And the fact that you're even here today says a lot about you. Obviously, like, build up his confidence, whatever. She's like, I want to know more about that side of Richard, the resilient side. The one that made it out of all that childhood trauma. He's like, again, bitch, I'm not going to fall for it. You don't know how many appeals I'm still up for. And you really think I'm going to put myself in jeopardy just to satisfy like whatever obsession it is that you have with me. So this time he's like, be gone with her guards. Yeah. Get her out of my face. Kit walks out clearly upset and sees Doreen sitting in the lobby And so Kit takes out her frustrations on Doreen. Like, 
what kind of masochist are you to waste 30 years of your life standing by this piece of garbage man and Doreen as sweet as can be looks at her and is like you can degrade me all you want but out of everyone in this room you're the one that looks the saddest and most lonely so who are you to preach to me about wasting your time okay the whole fucking thing is bizarre thanks for the read Doreen Kit heads to the gym to box all those feelings away this is interrupted when she gets a call from Ramirez. She reveals on the call how much she feared him as a teenager. And while he was out and about, she felt as if something was missing. So she continued to research him and follow all of his updates. And this is what led her to becoming an attorney, right? He's like what inspired her. Mm. Just what he's been looking for. Because she shared... He agrees to have her back to the prison, and this time he demands no recordings, no guards, but assures her he will still be in chains so she'll be safe and won't be able to touch him. Um, he's like, but you could always touch me. Kit asks, why did you start killing? He's like, as a kid... Doing as many drugs as I did, eventually everything lost its appeal. The intensity that I experienced killing was the only thing that could get me high anymore. And it's a different power than I've ever experienced. She tries to trick him by asking about a victim. And he's like, I guess he hasn't been convicted of this victim yet, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like the whole thing gets diverted. So she's like, fine, if we can't talk about that, let's talk about the motel that you used to work in in 1978. He's like, sure, it's a perfect job. I would steal, but like I never killed anyone. He's like, I got close, but I got caught and I got the shit beat out of me. <laughs> That's right. Uh-huh. And so he's accommodating to Kit and obviously he wants something in return. He knows going to school to be an attorney costs a lot of money. He wants to know how she could afford it. So she gives it to him. She worked at a fetish club doing BDSM role play. And these are the exact little juicy tidbits that he's been hoping for. And then he asks if she's ever fantasized about him. She tells Ramirez the real reason that she's there is because of the man that she believes that's on death row is innocent and that she wants Ramirez to come clean. And he's like, okay, why would I do that? Like, what am I getting? She's like, you asked me to be honest. I'm being honest. This is where we are. It's your fucking move. Let's go. He's obviously not ready to confess. So he starts thrashing at the chains He pushes the chair away. He flips the table. The guards rush in. They have him removed. And this is when we make the circle back to the beginning where we see him banging his head against the glass. Oh, because he's like enraged or whatever. Mm -hmm. We next see teen Kit at home watching the news on the couch as it's announced that the Night Stalker 25-year-old Richard Ramirez is finally in custody after attempting to steal a car in Los Angeles. Yep. 
just then her stepdad or mom's boyfriend or I, I I really I don't know who this guy is. He comes in and he rapes Kit mm-hmm. on the couch as she's watching this on the yeah. news. So this is what she's looking at is Richard Ramirez's face on the TV as she's being raped. Mm-hmm. So current Kit is awoken the next day to a call that Ramirez is in the hospital after bashing his head in after their whole fucking whatever. Right. The other day. In the hospital, she reveals the rape to Ramirez as an offer, like an olive branch, and says that she kind of channeled Ramirez when she eventually later stabbed that guy that night. He didn't die, but he did pack up his shit and leave. All right. Let's go, Kit. He rewards her for the honesty and giving the confession. And so he says that he did use the hotel pass key to kill an <clears throat> an Asian woman and her son. When she asked if there were any others, he responds that it's best left between me and Satan. <laughs> okay. And reminds her that even though she's got her confession, like it doesn't mean anything, right? She's not special. She's not worthy of all of his secrets before the hospital alarms start to just fucking go crazy. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause he's dying. Shocker. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Right, so he starts to, like, breathe heavily, and the nurses rush in, and in all the confusion, Kit managed to record the confession, so she's got what she needs to get the man off death row, so she's, you know, the hero, mm-hmm. but she's not satisfied. That's that's not it for her, and she goes back to visit her mom, who seems, again, very disoriented. And they eat dinner on the very couch that Kit was raped on as they watch the same TV she did as a teen as the news announces that Richard Ramirez has passed away at the age of 53. Okay. Her mom clearly either blocking or unaware of what happened to her daughter Makes a weird fucking comment about Kit's behavior during the summer that Ramirez was out killing in the neighborhood. Like, I was always so worried about you being out late at night, like wishing you were home safe. But it was clear that Kit was more focused on what was going on with Ramirez than anything else in her life. Mm-hmm. And the movie ends with these notes. That it was inspired by the true events of the 1985 when Ramirez was, I don't know, embarked on a crime spree that terrified Southern California. And ultimately, he was convicted of 13 counts of murder, the eight attempted, 11 sexual assaults, and the 14 burglaries. And sentenced to death row, where he died of B-cell lymphoma. In 2013. Yep. There he is. That's it. In a nutshell. Well, I will say before you give your rating, 
It sounds like they did an okay job, but I will say I noticed they messed around a lot with like dates, people, yep. order of murders. They yep. kind of just like threw it all together, mixed it up and came out with a script. And in typical lifetime fashion, we're not going to get super graphic, right? They're not going right. to focus on the murders at all. So that's why we got little flashes here and there, just like they don't like to do the deep rapes and all the well they are like a regular mm -hmm. i think you have to like like subscribe to something to get to them now but it's not like hbo or something <clears throat> no for sure no exactly so it was it was well written and even though lou diamond phillips is the only actor i recognized in the mm -hmm. movie like the acting was good it was interesting yes this is ringing bells in my head of um God damn it. What was the last thing we did? Was it Wind River? Because yeah. I watched Wind River. Yeah. After our episode. Good. I watched Wind River. Tell me all about it. No, I don't need to tell you about it. I just think that if that's the one I'm thinking of, I don't have a phone. Um, I think that's the one, but there's an actor in it that you didn't recognize because you're not a big enough nerd. <gasps> but Lord... Um, would you like a phone? Yes, I'm dying right now. I don't know. I can see it. Do I have a phone? But yeah, so Lou's the only one I recognize, but it was a good story. It's not long. Even for it going back and forth in time, it was like, it was well edited. Definitely going to give it like a three knifer. Oh, okay. Oh, are we ready? Okay. So this... What were we just talking about? Wind River. No, not oh. Wind River. We're going to edit that part out. Oh. <laughs> Let's go all the way back before your knife review. What were we talking about? So. Me not knowing too many actors. From this reminds me. I went back and rewatched Around Halloween Sleepy Hollow. Oh. And there's a person in Sleepy Hollow that you didn't recognize because you're not as big of a nerd as me. Hit me. It is an actor named Christopher Lee who played... Burgomaster? Burga Burgomaster? Bergamont? Yeah, they have this they have him down in IMBD as Burgomaster, but no, Bergamont. Bergamont. Anyways, that is also um I can't say it right, but Saruman the White of Lord of the Rings, the evil wizard. Oh, yeah, no, I'm definitely not that deep in the Have room. you seen Lord of the Rings once? Once. For sure. I've seen it like twice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least 100 times at my house. Yeah. But like so there's Gandalf, the good wizard, and then there's the evil wizard who he like battles with and is yeah, in yeah, charge yeah. of like the orcs and stuff. That is whatever you just said in Sleepy Hollow. <laughs> and I was watching Sleepy Hollow and I'm like, God <laughs> damn it. She didn't even mention it. I'm sorry. Of Lord of the Rings fame. <laughs> so. Saddam on the white. To be Yeah, that was more you and Melissa. You guys would yes. like lock yourselves Our up. Our friend for in high days. school, we were big Lord of the Rings fans. I am still a Lord of the Rings nerd. Mm -hmm. Um, anyways, I don't know why that popped into my head, but there you have it. So what knife review did you give it? Three? Because it's amazing. That's why it popped up in your head. You were in your Harry Potter facts. And yeah. Which Gandalf? Motherfucker! <laughs> Which Gandalf? <laughs> I would love it. I would love it. Please. I know we always ask for comments. If you guys could please leave a comment. Which uh, Gandalf? No. Oh. <laughs> There's only one Gandalf. <laughs> well, I'll carry your fucking opinions on Which that. Which Dumbledore do y'all prefer? 
The first one or the second one? Did I say, oh, I said my preference. Yeah. Leave your preference down below because it is now my go-to question. The minute I hear that somebody is a Harry Potter fan, I hit them with, which Gandalf do you prefer? And then I judge them accordingly. Right. You're like all conversations from here on out. I will absolutely die on the hill that second Gandalf is best Gandalf. (laughs) I said Gandalf too. God damn it. That second Dumbledore is best Dumbledore. (laughs) Shit. Anyways. This is what happens when we haven't been in the pod for two weeks. So how many knives did you give this fucking movie? Three? A, a three. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. Fantastic. Like I said, I enjoyed the story. I enjoyed Lou Diamond Phillips. I enjoyed... Uh, even though the back and forth was not ideal, the editing wasn't so bad. That it, mm-hmm. like, was hard to keep track of. Except, like I said, the whole time you're like, is that Kit? It's like, like, it has to be Kit. It's and like, why do we care about Kit? Right. It's like, why Why else would we be watching some random girl? I really thought you were going to hit me with the big twist surprise ending that Kit ended up being his second fiance. That would have been great. That's what I was thinking was going to happen. Was Take that note, people. This whole time she's had this secret this sexual fantasy about Richard. She finally gets him in a room. She finally gets to like do her thing, and then they end up engaged. That would see that would have been a four Epic. and a half. <laughs> that <laughs> was giving you back the knife yeah. that the timelines took right, away. Right, that would have been it. Um, fantastic. Well, um, I will say I, I forgot to say this up top. I my favorite probably episode so far of Celebrity Book Memoir, the podcast. Have you listened to the Travis Barker episode? It's good. Two episodes. Yeah. As it deserves two episodes. And it's going to make me read the book. Yeah. I'm in the middle of a smutty one right now. But when I'm done with it, I'm for sure going to buy the Travis Barker memoir. No, I've absolutely been listening to them. The one I listened to most recently <laughs> is the Caitlyn Jenner one. And guess, uh, I love that one. Ram, guess, guess what, guys? It doesn't go well for Caitlyn Jenner. <laughs> no. That was a really good one. I definitely listened to that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the Travis Barker one I thought was great. Yeah. I was always a Travis Barker fan. And we are old Blink-182 oh, fans. Oh, yeah. Black, back when they were just Blink-180. Yeah. Back before Travis Barker. We've been fans. So um, I love Travis Barker. I really feel like the band became as good of a band as they did because of Travis Barker. Well, if we're going to talk about Travis Barker, I'd like to know your opinion on Kim Kardashian and Pete Davidson. Um, so I'm a big Pete Davidson stan. How could you not be? I'm a big sim. Who's I not? Love him. Right? And although I'm not the biggest Kardashian fan, I fucking get it. I get it too. Could you? More than anything, I think the best comments are, ha- Kim's never looked happier. Yeah. Kim, who's always been on interviews talking, oh, I don't smile because I don't want like laugh lines and I don't want my face. Mm-hmm. She's fucking beaming. She's <laughs> glowing. I think my favorite uh thing that people have put together on TikTok, TikTok. <laughs> TikTok <laughs> is the fact that like it's very clear that Kanye West probably doesn't eat pussy. And then they show Pete Davidson like that motherfucker's drowning down there. He will die down die there. down there. He will live down there. And it's like, yeah, of course she's smiling. That's so funny. No, I bet you Pete is a great time. Of course. Can you imagine? And I am a big fan of his music. But could you, the 
egotistical, narcissistic bullshit that she had to deal with with Kanye West. For sure. It's exhausting. Yeah. It's exhausting to listen to him in an interview. Yeah. I can't imagine actually fucking living with him. It's, it's funny. Again, I'm a huge fan of his music. It's like if you listen to that song, like, let's have a toast for the douchebags, the whole thing. It's like his apology to Kim. Like, in that song, he's basically saying, like, you shouldn't have married me because of X, Y, Z. Yeah. However, that song came out before Kim. No, I know. It was like a warning. It was, was, no, it was literally the red flag where he's going, don't do this. Yeah. I'm gonna fuck it up. But at the same time, though, he brought her so much, like, cool points and credibility that she didn't have before. She's Met Gala. She was not cool before. Yeah, she's Vogue. People watch the Kardashians, but they were not high-end right high fashion right. family she's everything he brought mm-hmm. that to the table absolutely so Given. no i get he it elevated, though. It seems, he elevated the whole family he it seems like she's having much more fun with pete i cannot say i do not i, I can't say i blame her no he seems like mm-hmm. a lot more fun of a person to be around it's just funny it's like now you can't bring up courtney kardashian and travis barker and now not bring up pete and well Kim. there's this whole theory that whatever i won't get into it but um, yeah, Courtney and Travis, I also liked them together. At first, I was a little off put because it seems like Courtney is changing her personality to, to fit. fit Travis. Agreed. But then I think they broke it down in that second episode of Travis Barker where they were really because <clears throat> I don't watch the Kardashians at all. The few times I've watched them. I will say Courtney and Scott were always my favorites because they were yeah. always the driest and the biggest smart asses. They are the same person. And the first yeah. people to call out the ridiculousness yeah. of whatever was going on. So I would say they always were my two favorites when I would watch it. And then I think they said in um, that episode of that podcast that like Travis is so quiet and like to himself and Courtney reminds them of like the super dry kind of gothy girl who would just like say super smart ass comments in the back Under of the class yeah. and make that very sweet introverted like skater guy laugh. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that actually makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I could totally see that. Mm-hmm. She's the kind of more outspoken smart ass. And he thinks that's hilarious. Yeah. And then they just sit there and laugh. Yeah, I get it. I see it. I like it. I'm I think it's it. cute that the his kids are so hard for it and i love and they all are and like i don't even follow these people and they all show up on my tiktok i know and i don't follow any of them yeah but they show up on my tiktok they're all making tiktoks together it's very cute yeah i'm here for it i'm here for kim being happy with pete yeah you know just don't break our guy's heart we love him so much Uh, there's no heartbreaking i don't know he seems pretty sensitive (laughs) she's 40 with four kids like what what's he really trying to get out of this Besides yeah. pussy. I don't know. You never know. What? What? They're going to get married. Maybe. They're going to live heavily ever after. I could see know. Courtney having a 40-year-old baby with a 40-year-old man. I don't see Kim. She's all, she's done. She hasn't had her own babies the past two babies. I she's know. not having fucking Pete's baby. He's a baby. Well, but that's what I'm saying. That comes from her. She's so much older and probably more mature than him. I don't want him right. to get his feelings hurt. Works he's for Corey more Gamble. <laughs> 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 Woo! That's my favorite part about Kanye West's 
new music, maybe not the latest album, but in general, is even when he was married to Kim, the amount of shit he would talk in his songs about her and about the family. You're like, God damn, dude, you're just standing by right. this. Like, you guys are about to have dinner together. And he's just yeah. dragging your family and you. What? It's I would, art. It's I all, could never. It's all in the name of art. Amen. Just like this podcast. All in the name of art. <laughs> hey, if you guys like our art, leave us a review. Leave us a five-star review, preferably. I mean, Please. if you want to leave us less, it's Or fine. a heart. Or a thumb. A comment. A we both love a good thumb. You right. know? We're here for it all. <laughs> Give us a jingle. A jingle Give jingle. Give us a mingle. It was fun being back. Thank you all if you listened all the way through this. Whew. I was talking about the Kardashians because everybody cares a lot it's about them. It's better than Married at First Sight. I, I mean, come on. If they... I guess. I'm not saying that they are. I'm just saying that like it was a much quicker fly through Synopsis. and it's very more like it's more current than us trying to recap. <laughs> I've already started my Christmas, my holiday movie watching. Ooh. Um, I watched Love Hard. No. Which is a um, mix up of the words of the movies Love Actually and Die Hard. Oh. No, it's not. That's not what the movie's about. No. That's like one character's favorite movie is Love Actually and, and one, one character's favorite Christmas movie is Die Hard. And they, anyways, it's good. It's about a girl who gets catfished by this dude. And so she like flies out to surprise him for Christmas and okay. realizes he is nothing. Like, he doesn't look anything like his profile picture, but it is the person she's been talking to. Yeah. And it goes from there. Cute, fun, easy holiday movie to watch. It's on Netflix. And then I watched the entire first season of Dash and Lily. Same thing. I've never even heard of (laughs) Dash and Lily. It's, I don't know if they're going to keep it going. It was definitely a Christmas season show. Two teenagers in New York. It's fun. It's Christmassy. It's stupid. You know, that's what I'm here for during the holidays. We also tried to watch the new Home Alone, but it was awful. No. I hated it. No, I can't. Well, we put it on for the kids. Yeah. But maybe the kids would like it. No. The kids went right back to their phones like Give five me the minutes original. into it. Yeah. yeah. They will watch the original. Of course. But this new one was The no original's good. more savage than anything new could or would be. Yeah. The, the new one's not good. But so speaking of savage, I saw a fucking TikTok again. Someone was showing off their holiday decorations. They have a Bruce Willis cutout. Yes. Oh my god! Merry motherfucking Christmas. Yeah. (laughs) Love it. It's brilliant. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's so cute. Love it. (sighs) All right, guys, we're gonna get out of here. Please. I promise we'll do another episode next week. It'll happen. Has to. And if it doesn't, eh, you know. we'll be around. We'll be back. We'll be back for another one. For all picture. Oh, your look of the week, B. <laughs> God damn it. It's been so long. <sighs> You're not getting the contour. I was going to pull out contour. I'm not giving the contour, but I will suck in my I, cheeks. I mean, I could give you contour real quick. I'll suck in the cheeks. Okay. And I got my pentagram hand via you. Yep hand drawn Mm -hmm. and i'm using my recycled michael myers as like prison coveralls it is it's the same color Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i got the white shirt underneath and i wish we had a curly wig that'd be fun i know Mm. yeah and i brought chains because he's like chained up in the perfect yeah what Mm -hmm. more do you need we got we got this besides the hair don't judge the hair (laughs) 
Everything else I get. If you guys want to see it and see pictures of this week's case, go to THC Podcast on Instagram. I really liked our look of the week a thousand episodes ago, which was our last episode about Wind River. I loved it. Did you guys like my Photoshop skills putting B in a Wait, snowy countryside? Can we talk about the other picture, though, of me? <laughs> Like, let's just talk about it. Let's just so get- <laughs> be go on Instagram right now. If you have not seen it, he was wearing like workman cowboy tough I had guy it. shit. I had it. Work jacket. I had the hat. Gloves. And the- yes. It's very much like I have to go work in the cold. Yes. Right now. Yes. Um, And so we were like, well, let's take some pictures of you like sniping something i was trying to camouflage yes in some bushes here's the problem we live in northern (laughs) california there's no snow we have a lot of like ferns and foliage and grass and so b got down in this fucking plant trying to be jeremy renner camouflaging in the wyoming winter and it gave off very jurassic park it was very much what is his name I don't, all I know is Shuta. Shuta. I don't know his name. And then he, he's, he's, the, the, he's the clever girl. The raptor wrangler. Yeah. Yeah. But isn't he the clever girl? Yes. And then he yes. He's, he's all of them. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It was getting no. very clever girl. Very shoot her Jurassic Park. <laughs> and once you saw that, there was no one <laughs> seeing it. But if we were to do a Jurassic Park episode. I nailed it. <laughs> we already got it yeah. in the vault. Yeah, so stay tuned for that surprise. Maybe right? I'll maybe I'll put that That'll be on an Instagram Easter at egg. some point. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I figured out a way to put B in a snowy background, which, which I thought looked killed it, which fantastic. which was so much more appropriate. Otherwise, I would have been me next to a tree with a car in the background, <laughs> like a tree, tree, like a like a magnolia right, tree, like a stick tree. Yeah. Oh, jeez. And a green lawn. Perfectly green. So silly. Actually greener than it's ever been because this is the only time we get rain in California. So, so silly. <laughs> but we do it because we do it for you guys. And we do it because it's funny. It's at least funny to us and that's all that matters. Right. So check out our pictures. Leave us a comment. Leave us a whatever. And we love you. And we will see you next time. Meow. Bye.